Welcome to the Wealthy Homes Podcast, where we help young Michigan families manage their finances and create wealth. I'm your host, Connor Bowserman, financial advisor with Preferred Financial Group. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Wealthy Homes Podcast. Now, typically when I talk about building wealth, I usually hit on my main strong suit, which is the stock market and mutual funds and bonds and all that kind of stuff. And then we also bring on some other great guests talking about real estate. I know enough to be dangerous, but not enough to be a professional. But not very often do I hit on the third part, and that's entrepreneurship and owning a business and how that can help you build wealth. So in this episode, that's mainly what I want to hit on. And I also want to make a special announcement to stay tuned for the next five episodes to start off the 30s on the Wealthy Homes podcast. And we're going to be highlighting five small businesses and the strong suits and the career goals and all the things that they've gone through to make sure that they were successful. And there are a wide range of different businesses in what they do. We've got one from a side hustle that doesn't really want it to be anything more than a side hustle, but it's a huge passion of his, all the way up to a multi-generation small business that's been around for quite a while and and doing very, very well with multiple locations and and, and anything in between. And so we're going to be able to go through their journey and their startup phase all the way up to being a a successful small business and what that means and how they can create wealth. And we'll be highlighting their business and how they did it. So if that's something that you're interested in, in entrepreneurship, definitely stay tuned for the next five episodes because it's going to be a great five weeks of being able to hear some great stories, especially when it comes to the American dream. But that's the next couple episodes. That's not going to be this episode. This episode, we're going to be just talking about creating a a successful business. Kind of the things that I would say the benefits of creating that and why it can help you build wealth and that some of the different aspects of of having that small business. So I'll kind of hit on three main points. And I guess the first one that I wanted to talk about was kind of the flexibility um, of having a small business. And I've always was told, especially when you start a small business, having that flexibility can be great. You've almost got like this elastic rope that you can bend and flex and and spend your time but it also can be the same rope that you tie a noose on and and what I mean by that is is if you aren't working hard enough in your business and being too flexible to the point where it's driving you away from your business then that can ultimately be be the downfall but it can be also just a great way for people to remain flexible especially as being a young person having the crazy schedule of you know having kids and having a spouse that you want to spend time with but also being able to carve out time to be able to make sure that your business is successful and that's sometimes one of the main drivers that people will go to entrepreneurship maybe they started off as a w-2 employee and they weren't getting the flexibility they couldn't get out of work early they felt like they were tied to the desk or they were tied to their factory job, whatever it may be. That's usually a, a time where people go, hey, I feel like I have enough experience to go start my own business. I'm going to go do that. But it also allows me to step away when I need to and be able to be there for my family, but also increase my income or potentially increase my income. And 
And what they found through some of the different studies is that entrepreneurship and, and being the head of a small business can often lead to an increased job satisfaction where you feel like you are taking part of your work and, and that increases that job satisfaction compared to if you're working for someone else. And it also has proven to be an improved mental health for your well-being. So I think those two kind of go hand in hand when you're, you enjoy your work, enjoy what you're doing, and often makes it a lot easier for you mentally, especially when it comes to going home. Uh, I know that was sometimes a burden for some people is, you know, the work is so draining that by the time they get home, they can't be present with their family because they're so drained. They're so taken back. And sometimes that's just how it is, especially when you're in a physical job or even a very mental taxing type job, whether that's the medical field or you're a high up executive, that kind of a thing. And and there's no escape from that. Even if you're a small business, there's going to be some things that are going to be dragged home. And that's sometimes the con of it is that you almost feel like you can't get away from your business, especially if you're kind of the main driver or you're the main person where client calls, business calls, anything like that. If they come in, you feel like you have got to respond to them quickly to show satisfaction and so that you're on top of things. And so that can be hard creating that flexibility of, of dividing that time between your business and your family, but it also can be a pro as well. Um, just like the other day I was able to cut out of work early. We were really wanting to go to the County fair that allowed me to go leave early to go do that. Um, now often (laughs) that, that happens quite often, but then at the end of the day, I have to carve out time to be able to make up for the, the time that I would basically cut off from work. And that was one cool thing about the podcast and why I started it is because it's something that I can do kind of after the kids go to bed. I don't have to be in front of a camera. I can be kind of in whatever and be able to, to do the podcast and per, provide great content for you. But I can also make sure I prioritize my time with my family. And so that was one reason why I went with the podcast route rather than maybe videos or that kind of thing. And and it's probably going to progress to that point where I'll need to do that. But as of right now, that was one driving force for that. But I think that's a main driver for most people is just that flexibility to be able to say, hey, I can leave whenever I want or I can carve out some time to my schedule that I wouldn't have normally been able to do if I was just a number a normal W-2 employee. And then one of the main driving forces too, and this is kind of my second part, is kind of the tax and income benefits from owning a business. And this isn't always the case, especially early on in a small business. And a lot of the people that are going to be on for the next couple of weeks will definitely hit at that and drive that home is that those first couple of years are very lean. If, if anything, you're not really taking much at all. But over the long term, this can be a huge, huge benefit to you. Um, and, it, and it's not just the income potential. You know, a lot of people talk about the entrepreneurship and having a business and all that kind of stuff is like having a blank check. You can work as hard or as, as little as you want and potentially make as much or as little as you want. That's what's really cool about owning a small business compared to being a W-2 employee where they're saying, hey, this is what you're worth in my eyes. And until you show me otherwise, I'm not willing to pay you more. We're in a small business. You can say, hey, I want to work a couple extra hours. I maybe 
want to be different about how I structure my business and that can equal potentially more pay. And with that more pay, you can save more, you can invest more, you can provide for your family better. Those are some different things that you can do when you're taking advantage of being an entrepreneur. But what also comes with that is some tax benefits as well. And it's not necessarily, there are certain deductions on your personal tax returns that you get as being a business owner, but you do have some line items that you can reduce your business income to be able to say, hey, I didn't earn as much because I had these business expenses on there. These can be anything from being able to write off rent or write off you know, the payments that you're making towards whether that's the, the loan on the property or whatever. You can write off the taxes. You can write off some of the utilities. You can write off internet and garbage. And there's so many things that you can write off as a business owner because those are titled as business expenses. And those go against the business revenue that you have in the business. So dependent on the year and dependent on what you're trying to accomplish as a business, if you do have a really high year and high revenue, well, maybe that's a decent year to invest back into the business to say, hey, we need a new equipment. We need new trucks. We need new employees. That can be another one. You're able to write off some of the employee salary against the business as those are expenses. Another great tax benefit that people get as a business owner or as a business is that they're able to depreciate certain parts of their business, whether that's the real estate investment portion, whether that's equipment. Um, There's different ways that they can depreciate that and get a tax benefit based on the asset that they own. And that in turn reduces the profits of the business, which is often some of the income that they're getting as a business as well. So those are some great ways that you can reduce your business income to be able to reduce your overall income. And then that can even turn over where if you're a small business running it out of your home, these are some definite, definite benefits that you can get as being a small business owner. And just for an example, Nicole is a online fitness coach, and so she's working all the time from home. So we're able to write off certain parts of the house that are tailored for her business, you know, home office, gym, those are things that we're able to take as a space and write them off uh, from our taxes. And we're basically just able to write off part of our mortgage payment. We're able to write off part of our utilities that are going towards the business. We're able to write off equipment and stuff that we have to buy, uh, whether that's computers, lights, cameras, um, all those things that that you need from the back end of the business that most people don't get to see. But those are things that we get to write off um, or a portion of when it comes to the business. And some people really got to see that, especially as COVID progressed and people were working remote, that they were able to work um, right off some of those expenses being at home rather than if they were in the company business and, and using all of their equipment. Now, another tax benefit that you get, and I'm not going to go into this too much just because this will be actually be uh, another episode here in the future but it's some of the tax benefits that you get from retirement accounts that you wouldn't normally get as a normal just W-2 employee. And some of those are small business retirement accounts, whether those are SEP IRAs, solo 401ks, um, simple IRAs. Those are some different avenues that people can take as a small business owner to be able to defer more of their paycheck that they wouldn't normally be able to do if they were just on their own. And 
most people who are working a W-2 job do have that ability to, to contribute to a, a regular 401k or through your business or through the company, but not everybody has that, that right, but that's sometimes an advantage of being a small business owner and even a solo entrepreneur is that you have the ability to defer a lot more of your paycheck because you're not paying employees and you're a part of this retirement account that gives you higher limits that you wouldn't normally get with just like a traditional IRA or traditional Roth. But again, I'm not going to go into that too much just because that's a future episode. So if that's something that you're interested in, stay tuned because that will be a future episode. And then one thing I wanted to also hit on, and this is something that most people forget about when they're thinking of a business, and that is that that business becomes an asset. If it's done correctly and it do, and you do that over time, now most people when they start a business, especially at the beginning, they're not worried about necessarily becoming an asset. They're just trying to get it off the ground. They're trying to be cash flow positive, making sure that that business is run correctly. And then over time, as that business is successful, is making sure that they can build that into a business that can be an asset to be able to be sell, sellable. And to be sellable, it just means that there is some kind of book of business there to be sellable, which means that they have reoccurring revenue. They have clients that they um, are able to retain. They have a past client book of business. Maybe they've been in business for 50 years. They've been servicing different customers. And and if you went down to their you know, furnace, that there's a sticker there that's got your number, you know, those are... Those are worth something. So if somebody needs a service that they're calling your business, even if it is just you're buying a phone number from somebody because they've been in business for such a long time, that's an asset that's worth something. But the best businesses are people who have reoccurring business and reoccurring clients that are coming in that they are tangible to say, hey, these are my clients. And an example of that would be like an insurance agent. You have these clients that are on the books that are paying their annual premiums to say, hey, these are clients. These are, you know, they can come and go. But on average, this is what we're, we're seeing as a revenue, which might be different than like a restaurant. You might have some, you know, 25, 50, however many people come in each week that are getting their cup of coffee. They're getting their, they're, they're your normal clients. But then it's hard to say the tangible people that come in once a month, every couple of months, they come in, you know, when they're in town, those are a little bit harder to, to say when it comes to business evaluation compared to people that are kind of an ongoing client. <clears throat> but along with creating a business that's cash flowing positively also has assets in the business. And so for an example, if you are a company with a bunch of semi trucks, you have some inventory that's worth something that even if someone bought your business and it's they're getting some cash flow from it they're also buying the inventory and then this can also be in the form of real estate as well i can think of you know one example of a insurance agent i did a number of years ago i did a financial plan for and he was projecting out that his insurance business was worth just as much as the real estate building that it was sitting in so just by investing in real estate and being in that building and paying that payment over time and just watching that building accumulate, it was worth just as much as, as his actual insurance business. And then usually, not always, but most time, they're able to sell those as like a package deal. Hey, you can buy this insurance agency. 
as well as buying the building. And this can go to any business. You've been in business for 20 years and you've been known as, you know, the printing shop in town. Well, you not only got a business that's able to be sellable, but you've also got all the equipment that you've got in there as well as the building that you own. Those can all be sellable and those are all assets that you can sell at some point in time. I think it's really important to talk about all this because as, as the baby boomer generation is starting to leave the workforce and even some of the Gen X is kind of coming in and out of the business, that they have that mindset that this is not only just a business, but it's also an asset. So making sure that you're structuring the business to be sellable is really, really important. And, and you see it all the time where you have this really successful business, you have a great name, but they get to a point where, hey, I don't want to run the business anymore. And, and so we're just going to close up shop. Well, if you took some really good steps in the right direction to be able to make sure that that business was sellable, instead of closing the doors and it just being gone forever, you could sell it to somebody and that business can continue to thrive and, and go on for years and years as well. And I can think of like a, a pizza shop in town that if you're from the Bow Creek area, you've probably heard of Volcano Pizza. And it's this hole in the wall. It's only open for the summer months. It's only open for a couple of hours a day, and it's only open from Monday to Friday. Well, this past year, they, they just decided to close just because the business owner didn't want to, to run the business anymore. They ended up opening it not too long ago again. But that's a perfect example of somebody who's got a really good name in the community. They have a business. They have a building that could easily be sellable if they just chose to do that. Now, some people don't want to deal with that, and that's understandable. But if you were to structure the business right, and maybe that's just hiring a manager, hiring a couple of pizza people that know how to make the pizzas, that's a sellable business right there. It's not just the name and the building, but then you also have the, have the business that can be sellable as well. Now, it might be sound really easy to have a successful business and want to go the entrepreneurship route, but it is very hard, and the statistics show that. And the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics came out and said that approximately 20% of new businesses fail during the first two years of being open, 45% during the first five years, 65% during the first 10 years, and only 25% of new businesses make it 15 years or more. And those statistics really haven't changed since the 1990s. And it's just really hard for businesses to stay afloat. And I think the best successful businesses and even small businesses are successful because they continue to adapt to the new environment. Whether that's they're creating new products, they're creating new menus, they're coming out with new things to be able to sell while also knowing what really works for their business and what's successful. An example of that would be let's say just say like Chick-fil-A they're really good at making chicken sandwiches no one no one's going to debate that but they might change little things about their menu or they might add a shake during certain points of the year or they might add some little parts of their menu to be able to say it's like new but they know their bread and butter is their chicken sandwiches so those are some little things that companies can do and adapt and you can even see that with how they structure their buildings. 
you can know when you drive into an older Chick-fil-A that just the structure of how they run their business is different than maybe some of the newer buildings that they're being built. For example, some of the newer Chick-fil-A's around us, a lot of their business is actually outside. Having their employees walk through the different uh, lines to be able to give them their orders rather than using the conventional, hey, you come up to the window and we'll take your order. I think that they've learned that it's not just the building, but how you structure how they get their order and how fast that they can get it is another way that they've been able to innovate and change without really changing too much about their business as a whole. But having a small business does take time and often more time than if you were to just work another regular W-2 type job. It just takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of stress at times because a lot of the time your income is uncertain. You don't know if your paycheck's coming next week or next month. You don't know if you're going to be able to pay all your employees next month. There's a lot of things that come into being a business owner that's very stressful, but there's also a lot of benefits to that, especially as you create and run a successful business. But with that, I'm really excited to bring on the next five businesses for the next five weeks. And I'm really excited for you to hear their stories because they're all different and they're all really, really good. And I hope that they're in business for years and years to come and you guys can follow along with their journey. And if this is something that you're interested in, entrepreneurship, definitely stay tuned for the next couple of weeks because I think they're going to give you some great insights about their journey, whether that's the good, the bad, the ugly, and pulling that curtain back so you can see it all. So I hope you guys stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. So I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy Homes Podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Connor Bowsman or Preferred Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of Connor Bowsman or other qualified financial advisors with any questions you may have regarding this episode. Connor Bowserman is a licensed financial advisor and any of the investment advisory services offered are through Harbor Investments, member SPIC. Products and services provided are not NCUA insured, have no credit union guarantee, and may lose value. Consumers Professional Credit Union and Marshall Community Credit Union and Harbor Investments are separate and independent companies, and credit unions are not providing security services.